Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. If there's anything we've learned through studying the life of Jeremiah, serving the Lord isn't always easy. Standing for Christ is not going to be popular. And Jeremiah's entire ministry was a ministry that outwardly looked to be a failure because nobody ever responded positively to his preaching. But yet he did not fail in the least because he faithfully did what God called him to do. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 36 through 40. Now here's Pastor Brian. Whatever the opposition happens to be, the thing that that helps you press through that is just that sense of calling, even when you want to quit sometimes. Even when you just say, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then you find that I can't, I can't contain it. It's there. It wells up within. Now, Zedekiah, he had sent, verse 14, Jeremiah, the prophet, brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you something, hide nothing from me. And Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I declare it to you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you advice, you will not listen to me. So Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah saying, as the Lord lives who made our very souls. I mean, listen to this astounding hypocrisy. Does he really believe that the Lord lives and made our very souls? If he does, how does he keep doing what he's doing? How does he keep resisting the will of God? This is just religious jargon. You know, he's learned learned how to speak religiously, but obviously he doesn't believe it. He says, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hand of these men who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. The city shall not be burned with fire and you and your house shall live. Man, how many times it's like over and over and over And this is after centuries of God pleading with the people. But through Jeremiah's ministry, through the whole time, God is continually offering a way out of the situation and a way to save Jerusalem. If you do this, the city won't be destroyed. It won't be burned down. But if you don't surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans and they shall burn it with fire and you shall not escape from their hand. And Zedekiah the king said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans lest they deliver me into their hand and they abuse me. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord which I speak to you so it shall be well with you and your soul shall live. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. So, you know, God is calling 
Zedekiah to trust him. And, you know, even, even as I read this, I think of, you know, there are times in people's lives where they are really conflicted. They're really torn. They know what God says and they know what's right. But then their own desires are telling them this. And there's this, this battle that takes place. And there's also, you know, a deception, obviously, that comes upon people because when they, when they go with, with their own desire, that is, that's where they, they just put themselves in a place of destroying themselves. But I've seen so many people over the years where there is, there's a conflict that's taking place. There's a struggle. There's a battle. And Zedekiah is in that battle right here. But sadly, he continues to succumb to his own will rather than the will of God. So Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak. If you refuse to surrender, this is the word of the Lord. Now behold, all the women who are left in the king of Judah's house shall be surrendered to the king of Babylon's princes. And those women shall say, your close friends have set upon you and prevailed against you. Your feet have sunk in the mire and they have turned away again. So they shall surrender all your wives and children to the Chaldeans. You shall not escape from their hand, but shall be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon and you shall cause this city to be burned with fire. And Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no one know of these words and you shall not die. But if the princes hear that I have talked with you and they come to you and say to you, declare to us what you have said to the king and also what the king said to you, do not hide it from us and we will not put you to death Then you shall say to them, I presented my request before the king that he would not make me return to Jonathan's house to die there. And so the princes came to Jeremiah. They asked him these things and Jeremiah responded in that way. Now Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken and he was there when Jerusalem was taken. And so here we go, chapter 39, the fall of Jerusalem. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the 10th month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and besieged it. In the 11th year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the city was penetrated. Then all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate. And all the names of these Babylonian princes are here. And so it was when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and all the men of war saw them, that they fled and went out of the city by night by way of the king's garden, by the gate between the two walls, and he went out by way of the plain. And so Zedekiah is seeking to escape. And the Chaldean army pursued and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they captured him, they brought him to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced judgment on him. Then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. 
The king of Babylon also killed the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to Jerusalem. Wow. How horrific a fate was that. And it all could have been avoided. That's, that's the thing. Zedekiah did, did this to himself because he insisted on his way. He let his fears control him. He let his own passions control him. He let delusion control him. And look where it takes him. And so the moral of the story is obey the Lord. <laughs> Do what God says. And it will be well. It will be well. I mean, it's not complicated. God has made it pretty simple. And so the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. And then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive to Babylon the remnant of the people who remained in the city and those who defected to him with the rest of the people who remained. But Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left in the land of Judah the poor people who had nothing and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. And so, listen to this, verse 31. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah. So here's Nebuchadnezzar, this the most powerful king in the world, and he's, what does he say? He says to Nebuzaradan, the captain, he says, take him, Jeremiah, and look after him and do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. So Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, sent these chief officers and they took Jeremiah from the court of the prison and committed him to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, that he should take him home. So he dwelt among the people. Meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison saying, go and speak to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring my words upon this city for adversity and not for good. And they shall be performed in the day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord. And you shall not be given into the hand of the men of whom you are afraid, for I will surely deliver you and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a prize to you because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. So the contrast, those who resist like Zedekiah and the others, they go off into judgment. Those who trust and believe, they're spared the judgment. So the judgment takes place, but Jeremiah is now, he's set free by the Babylonians. And basically it's, you're free to do whatever you want. Go, stay, whatever you want to do. And Ebed-Melech as well, who was obviously very fearful about what might happen to him when the city was taken by the Babylonians. The Lord says, because you put your trust in me, your life is given to you as a prize. And that trust was, of course, demonstrated when Ebed-Melech went to plead to Zedekiah about Jeremiah. So, again, trusting and obeying, 
leads to blessing and rebelling and resisting leads to great, great trouble. So chapter 40 is interesting in that this now is the time after the king has been deported. So Nebuchadnezzar now appoints a Jewish ruler, a Jewish governor over Jerusalem. And even though this man is is appointed by Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to face resistance as well from those that are still trying to deny that they have been conquered and brought under the Babylonians. So the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah. And when he had taken him bound in chains among all who were carried away captive from Jerusalem and Judah, who were carried away captive to Babylon, and the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, the Lord your God has pronounced this doom on this place. Notice this Babylonian official, the Lord your God. He knows more about what the Lord is doing than Zedekiah did. And so the Lord has brought it and has done it just as he said, because you people have sinned against the Lord and not obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing has come upon you. When the heathen are rebuking the believers, you know that you got a real problem. And that's what's happening right here. You people, this happened to you because you didn't obey your God. So look, he says, I free you this day from the chains that were on your hand. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come and I will look after you. But if it seems wrong for you to come with me to Babylon, remain here. See, all the land is before you wherever it seems good and convenient for you to go there. Now, while Jeremiah had not yet gone back, Nebuzaradan said, go back to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon has made governor over the cities of Judah and dwell with him among the people or go wherever it seems convenient for you to go. So the captain of the guard gave him rations and a gift and let him go. And then Jeremiah went to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, to Mizpah and dwelt with him among the people who were left in the land. So in the remainder of the chapter, we have... Again, Gedaliah is this person that Nebuchadnezzar has appointed. So he's the governor over the land. And I mean, here you even see a little bit of mercy on the part of the king of Babylon. He's actually allowing the people to stay in the land and to to try to resume their lives. But again, there's this faction that's still there that's trying to overthrow that. And so that's what happens as we go on reading about Gedaliah there are those who conspire against him. So look in verse well, verse nine. And Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, son of Shaphan, took an oath before them and their men saying, do not be afraid to serve the Chaldeans, dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon and it shall be well with you. As for me, I will indeed dwell at Mizpah 
and serve the Chaldeans who come to us. But you gather wine and summer fruit and oil, put them in your vessels and dwell in your cities that you have taken. So Gedaliah is now, he's saying the same kind of stuff Jeremiah was saying. But now it's after the fact. They've been conquered. He says, now, you know, just cooperate. That's the word. And so likewise, when all the Jews who were in Moab among the Ammonites, Ammonites in Edom and who were in all the countries heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant in Judah and that he had set over them Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, son of Shephan. Then all the Jews returned out of all the places where they had been driven and came to the land of Judah. So all of those who were outside during this Babylonian siege, they now are coming back home from these surrounding nations. And moreover, Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces that were in the fields came to Gedaliah Mizpah and said to him, do you certainly know that Balas, the king of the Ammonites, has sent Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, to murder you? But Gedaliah, the son of Ahiakim, did not believe them. Then Johanan, the son of Korea, spoke secretly to Gedaliah and Mizpah, saying, let me go, please, and I will kill Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and no one will know it. Why should he murder you so that all the Jews who are gathered to you would be scattered and the remnant in Judah perish? But Gedaliah, the son of Ahiakim, uh, the son of Johanan, the son of Korea, you shall not do this thing, for you speak falsely concerning Ishmael. He was wrong. Ishmael comes and murders him. So, but that's in the next chapter. So we will wait for that. But as we close, I want us to just think in terms of you know, just our tumultuous time that we're, we're living in. And to remember that God's people from generation to generation to generation have gone through tumultuous times. And they've survived. And they've even thrived in the spirit because they've trusted the Lord in the times of difficulty. And when difficulty comes, there comes along with it the temptation to not trust God, the temptation to lose heart, the temptation to kind of take things into our own hands and try to figure it out and try to make it happen. And and that's really what these people are doing. I mean, and to them, it's like, no, it doesn't make any sense. God would not let the Babylonians conquer us. We're the people of God. So we're going to resist all of that. But that was the very thing that God was doing. And, you know, as we look at our situation and and the things that are happening around us, you know, I think, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm not prophesying anything. But I think as, as a nation, I'm just speaking as Americans here, we cannot lose sight of the fact that there is an inevitable judgment that will come upon a sinful nation. And a lot of times we go, we're kind of like the, the Jews here where we just think, well, that could never happen to us. I mean, that's not, not, that's not us. The Babylonians, the Babylonians are way worse than we are. And I mean, if God's going to judge anybody, he's going to judge them, right? And I think in the minds of a lot of, of American Christians, there's this idea that, 
you know, well, America's this great nation. It's a land of the free and the home of the brave. And it's all of those wonderful things. And, and of course, there could never be a judgment upon us. Really? Why not? <laughs> we are a nation laden with sin, just like Israel was. And like I said, I'm not prophesying. I'm not predicting anything. Uh, I don't want to see a judgment come upon our nation. But we have to be realistic. And we have to realize that maybe there is a judgment. Maybe we are entering deeper into times of judgment. One of the things that marks a judgment of God is that God allows people to be raised up into power who are corrupt and who do not rule righteously. That is a way of judging. Another way of judging, according to Romans chapter 1, is that God lets people do what they want. And he gives them over to the lust of their own hearts, and then he will allow them to reap the consequences. And so we look around us and we see that, you know, this, this is really, if we're really honest, it's amazing. You know, Billy Graham said this decades ago. Billy Graham decades ago said, if God doesn't judge America, he will need to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> and he said that like 40 years ago, you know? So look, we're in a, a different space these days. And the thing we have to do is we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus and just say, okay, Lord, we, you know, whatever you're doing, whether good or bad or whether we like it or dislike it or whether we think it should be or, or it should not be, Lord, we, we are just going to yield to you. If we believe in, that God and his sovereignty is doing something and we're constantly kicking against that, then we're failing that test. You know, there's a point where we have to say, okay, Lord, I don't get it. I don't like it. I mean, and if there's anything we've learned through studying the life of Jeremiah, serving the Lord isn't always easy. Standing for Christ is, is not going to be popular. And Jeremiah's entire ministry, as we pointed out before, was a ministry that outwardly looked to be a failure because nobody ever responded positively to his preaching. But yet he did not fail in the least because he faithfully did what God called him to do. That's really the posture that we want to be in. And like I said, I'm not predicting anything. I don't know what's going to happen any more than anybody does. But I just want to be, <laughs> I don't want to go into it with my eyes closed. And then suddenly, oh my gosh, what happened? I want to just be like, okay, we're going to stand on God's word and believe that he is working out his eternal purpose. And we are his people. And we're part of that purpose and we're part of that plan. And, you know, if it goes a certain direction, the question is not, God, did you fail? The question is, God, where do we fit into this, this scenario that we didn't expect? But what does the church do now in this context?
for the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. With all the chaos, unrest, and uncertainty in our world, behind it all is the unseen realm where a spiritual battle is being waged. And this spiritual battle not only affects the world collectively, but even our lives individually. This month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will give you an understanding of the battle that is raging behind the scenes. You will understand the enemy who is waging war against you, his tactics, and how you can be equipped to emerge victorious. As people of God, we must be aware of the spiritual battle we're all involved in, the sophisticated ways in which we're constantly being attacked, and the provision for victory we have in Jesus. If you want to be equipped for the spiritual battle we're engaged in, or to be able to help others become equipped, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.